most people think. Hello and welcome to episode seven of What Most People Think. I'm Jeff Norcott, and this is uh, this is a show about politics, about life, social commentary, men's health issues. But it's coming at him from the angle of a comedian who isn't the most woke. You know, not necessarily always politically incorrect, but um, certainly willing to tap into the more traditional elements of my psyche. And also, you know, I'm say I say that you know I claim to be operating outside the liberal elite, but you know, you might see me at the Baftas. On Sunday, that's right. Pretty big deal, actually. Uh, yeah, you might see me uh, hovering in the background shot of people that the press actually wanted to speak to. So there I was at the heart of the metropolitan liberal elite, and you know what? Those guys eat. They have nice food, man. I like. I'll give them a lot of stick, but they know what tastes nice. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're probably they don't understand the simple joy of an oven meal. Do you know what I mean? Uh, a meal that can all be cooked in one tray, oven chips. Shitty burger. Even the beans. Cook the beans in the oven. They're called baked beans, right? So, uh, yeah, and I just want to say, you know, having been to the BAFTAs, thank you to Phoebe Wallerbridge. I don't know what that means, but everyone that went up there seemed to be doing that. So I, I kept it up for the whole night, you know, at the table. I was like, every time somebody passed me the salt or, you know, a drink, I said, thank you to Phoebe Wallerbridge, because I, I know what you fuckers are like. That's what you do, right? But it was pretty cool. I mean, one thing that that was great was to be in the same room as David Schwimmer or Ross from Friends to give him his birth name. And he was funny, man. He was funny. He come on and did a citation and it was a real it was a real object lesson to just how to deliver some lines and and I, I don't think anyone's ever gonna be that famous again. You know, friend I'm talking friends level fame. I don't think that's gonna come around. We're all watching our different shows, aren't we? We're all disappearing into our little box set so so it was that was kind of cool um so yeah and and it's going to be me this week it's going to be me so if you are a Catherine fan that was here for the last show and what a great episode that was thanks again to Catherine Ryan if you're a Catherine fan that's stuck uh, fan that's stuck with it um I hope you like it when it's just me you know I, I do get a bit paranoid that every time there's a guest they get way better feedback I mean you think as a businessman someone people would go just always have guests Jeff I don't know I've got too much to say and I, uh, well, I can't be asked to go into London to hook them up. It's, it's the main thing about that. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad, thank you for sticking with it. And I hope you like it uh, when it's this format. Coming up, we will be looking at a variety of things. We'll be looking at the Euro elections, right? The rise of the Brexit party, the fall of the Chookers, the Tiggers, whatever the fuck they're called this week. The Lib Dems are back. Let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about the Tory implosion. Let's talk about all that stuff in a deeply... I mean, I'm very analytical about politics, so I hope you get some serious thinking caps on because I like to go deep into the minutiae of Westminster. No, it's going to be generally taking the piss. Um, we're going to be looking at having been to the BAFTAs and the success and the kind of shows that win awards there, uh, looking at the tendency that TV sometimes has to look down its nose at, at popular television, you know, maybe it shows like Mrs. Brown's Boys or all those big ITV hits, you know, like they're happy to take the advertising money but, you know, do they give the same love back when those shows wins awards? Maybe not. Going to have a brief look at the word housewife. It's sort of disappeared from British public life. And I want to talk about that word. I miss it. I miss everything. Anything that was in the past that isn't here anymore, damn sure I'm missing it. 
Um, and letters. We're going to be doing letters this week because we've done a bit of men's mental health and stuff. And I don't want to just talk about that unless I've got something specific to say. I'm quite happy, like we did last time, to do letters as well because some of those letters will tap into those areas. And uh, so thank you for the people that sent letters. We'll be reading out some of those uh, later on in, in the show. Just before we crack on with the main bit of the show, a thank you and a fuck you. Okay? Thank you, fuck you. Thank you, fuck you. That would be the jingle, wouldn't it? Thank you, fuck you. I've ever done my Stephen Hawkins voice for you. I can do this without a filter. Listen, my name is Professor Stephen Hawkins. Are you still the a professor at Cambridge? You got the impression I had a massive cock. That was so childish. I've got to be honest, I'm tired. <laughs> it really didn't scan or hang together, and I tried to get on a laugh just by saying cock. Saying cock about a bloke that was confined to a wheelchair, crassly knowing that there was a chance that I would get a laugh. I'm a, I'm a comedian. I'm sorry. It's a desperate state. I'm never going to apologise, all right? So thank you. Thank you. So I did the red carpet thing at the BAFTAs. Did I mention that? Um, I did the red carpet thing. Obviously, pretty much no one knew who the fuck I was. But thank you to the one guy that asked me for a selfie on the red carpet. It was... I think we both knew that it was more for me than him. He had pity in his eyes. I guess he must have seen me looking around and stuff. And I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to be recognised. Or maybe subconsciously I was. And he picked up on it. Um, but the... You know what was funny, though? was uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, went past. And... Um, Phoebe! Phoebe! These people... I think that they hire these autograph hunters because they they just shout a lot and they're, re- they're over-excitable. I think, basically, they must just all like have this sort of red carpet their own where they just cut fucking just dab speed all the way into the autograph enclosure. And by the time they get in there, they're off their nuts. So Danny Dyer goes past, Danny, 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 for Phoebe, 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 Michael, Michael. It's just like, either that or there were no celebrities at all and they were just saying first names that they could remember. Yeah, David, 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 Jeremy, Jeremy. And so anyway, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, who it turns out is a real person, went past and um, they were Phoebe, and then they, they, she didn't give an autograph initially and then they started booing her. <laughs> And then she came back and gave an autograph. I was, I was like, fuck you. You know what I mean? I'm Phoebe Waller-Bridge. If her name turns out to be Rich, I am sorry. But I was like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a phrase that people use at the BAFTAs, mate. I don't have to fucking sign shit for you plebs. Get a life. This week's fuck you is to the uh, old lady on the train who I had to give a piece of my mind to. I was, it was pretty embarrassing, actually. I was sitting there. I was on the train coming back to, to do the podcast. And there was a woman... Well, I didn't know it was women's right? So there was somebody watching um, something on their phone, obviously at full volume, because that's the only way these pricks can do it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I just... Who doesn't want to hear a kind of disembodied dialogue from a programme with no visuals whatsoever to connect it to? It's great. I mean, at least with music, right? Music was annoying, wasn't it? But there was the, the vague chance that it might be a song you like, and in which case you hear a song you like, you're always going to be reasonably happy to hear it. I don't want to hear, like dialogue from line of duty okay one it might be a spoiler alert and two i, I don't want to hear it so i went i went up a carriage and i was looking around for where's this coming from well i presumed it was a guy in his mid-20s i was like mate sorry could you turn that down please and i was all self-righteous and uh, it wasn't him and then there was a couple of teenagers there they didn't even have devices in their hands but my level of profiling and stereotyping men that i stared them out and it turned out to be this little old lady watching something on her smartphone now, first up, I've I've never really got used to seeing little old ladies with um with uh with technology. You know, I just there's something weird about them holding a big old phone in their hand. She was just watching it, and then 
I, so I thought, like, I've got to follow through here and be consistent. So I said, excuse me, love, but do you mind turning that down? And then she was like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And then I felt like a right wanker, didn't I? Because I thought she probably can't fucking hear that at all. No wonder she's got it up loud. Do you know what I mean? She probably needed one of those big ear horns <laughs> used to get in the programs. Do you know what I mean? Just to hear anything. It's probably to her. She already thought that that was, like, on the lowest level. She already thought she was being a really good person. And she just had... Just had me just bowling up the carriage, going, sorry, love, if you um, turn that down, please. I watch a program she's watching. It's probably fucking Antiques World. What's Antiques World? Antiques Roadshow. No, it's been a long week. So, uh, so fuck you to that old woman. <laughs> okay, right, let's crack on with the show. So, politics. Isn't it a surprise that given that we were, it was legally enshrined that we would leave the EU on the 29th of March with or without a deal, right? And, and that didn't happen. And lo and behold, a party has emerged that wants to try and enforce that. I mean, it's just, Jesus, how do we, you know, life just lobs up curveballs, doesn't it? It's so funny, isn't it? It wasn't that long ago that the, the, the some people on the liberal left were sort of toying and flirting with this idea that, well, you know, I mean, if we cancel Brexit, I'm sure it'd just be a few people arguing it out amongst themselves. And now look, Brexit party, um, polling in some respects, 34% for Westminster, um, sorry, Euro election. So the Brexit party. Now, of course, the uh, Remain establishment in, in, in many quarters after the Brexit vote and even to an extent before it, Called all Leave voters, you know, stupid and racist. And that worked really well for them, you know, entrenched people further into that point of view. So what they thought is now that the Brexit party are, are going well, let's call them fascists. Let's call everybody that's going to vote for them fascist enablers. Even though the principal um, cause of the Brexit party is to enact a, a, a legitimate democratic vote. Now, cards on the table. I'm not sure myself about the Brexit party. Farage is a problem for me. He's an issue for me. I just I just don't like the guy. And I know that a lot of you listening will be disappointed to hear that. I, 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 don't, I don't like it, you know. However, the sentiment of it, I, I totally get. If they called the party the do you want to keep the establishment in the bollocks party, oh, yes, absolutely, you know. But now I think there's a lot of people on the left that were essentially going to lend the Brexit party their vote. But now can you imagine that they... That was all they were planning on doing. It was never going to be a permanent thing. But then they see that they're being called fascists, Right. I think this is hugely counterproductive reaction. Every time something big in politics happens, people think that, you know, their desire to insult the electorate, right, and take the moral high ground kind of blinds them to, to logic. I wonder, right, if you wrote into the withdrawal agreement that Remainers are morally and intellectually superior and recognised as such in law, <laughs> right, if you wrote that as a little addendum into, into Theresa May's withdrawal agreement, I think that then the Remain vote could get it over the line. Just like they had like slightly special status, do you know what I mean? They got slightly nicer coffee, better seats at the theatre. You know, <laughs> see, Change UK, if you wanted a policy, you should have come to me. But um, but yeah, Farage is... My problem with him is that he just seems to be enjoying it too much. I mean, whether you're, you're leave or, or remain, this is quite a serious time for the country. He seems he seems a bit too fucking happy, you know what I mean? Whenever he gets on television, oh, he's got a great rhythm, right? One thing is an object lessening is that if you talk in a certain way, you know, you make people believe almost anything. But I think he is a, he's a symptom, you know, and at least the branding, the branding is smart for the Brexit party. This must kill Change UK, right? This is the party of the liberal elite, about the liberal elite. And they've got shit branding. How 
If you if you're the party of the liberal elite, the one thing you should do is nail the branding. And yet, but the Brexit party, their social media, their the logo, everything is 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 better. I don't understand how. Surely, Change UK have got loads of like graphic designer, project manager, advertising execs, right? If that's the one, they've got access to that. Surely. So the question is, you know, there's a temptation to vote for the Brexit party, but I, I worry. I don't want to see the Tories totally implode, right? It's my team, man. Maybe I'm too tribal in that respect. I feel, I feel sorry for them. It's a, it's a hard thing defending the Tories at the moment. It feels a bit like sort of defending the Star Wars prequels, <laughs> you know? Like, I feel like there's definitely good stuff in there. I think that, you know, in time, people will see that good stuff. But in in the moment... With everybody like walking out of the cinema horrified, and and numerous people vying for the 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 mantle of political Jar Jar Binks, then then it's tricky, isn't it? It's tricky, tricky for it's, it's such a shame for the Conservatives, isn't it? Because if it's the party that was one thing that they claim to deliver is, is a stable economy, high high employment, wage settlements outstripping inflation, and and yet all those things are happening, that <laughs> they're polling the worst that they've polled since. The mid-90s. And Brexit Party, the Brexit Party will win. They will win. Of course they're going to win the European elections, you know, because the arguments against Farage are legitimate, but they've been had. That's the point, isn't it? They've been had. We've all already come to a view on Nigel Farage, one way or another. So the point is, is that you have to make, you don't, you can't keep making an argument for what you, uh, what you despise or what you abhor or what you think is going to go wrong you have to make an argument for what you think is going to go right. And this is where, you know, the Lib Dems have done better recently because Change UK, uh, among their many incredible strategic successes of having a shit name, a shit logo, not doing the vetting on their on their candidates. So in the first week of their launch, many of them were found to be bigots. Um, they didn't stand, uh, they didn't uh, liaise properly with the people's vote over tabling an amendment. They didn't stand in the local elections. And they've allowed the Lib Dems back into it. And the Lib Dems, man, they are. They're buzzing. Double double figures. Solid double figures. Mid-teens in some cases. They've got their mojo back. I think for the Lib Dems, Change UK was like that moment where a bloke's been depressed for a couple of years, right? And there's nothing. It seems like nothing's going to get him out of that funk. And then, it, then he sees his missus stepping out. Stepping out for a, a drink with another man. And he's like, fucking not in my house. Lib Dems were like, that's how how dare you? We're the liberal fucking elite, but we're the party that look down our nose at leave voters. That's that's our gig. <laughs> and so they've rebranded, of course. They've got their bollocks to Brexit slogan. Now I've got to say, you know, I perform comedy, I write comedy. Bollocks to Brexit has got to be like the lowest common denominator. I've said some pretty crass things. I don't know if I've ever, you know, I once accused Donald Tusk of not having the stones to do a live debate on Question Time. I, I don't even think that is as basic as saying bollocks to Brexit. And the thing is, is that it, it's the way that the Lib Dems say it as well that's aggravating. Because it's got that vibe of sort of, I know this is a bit of an on-the-nose analogy, but David Brent, isn't it? And they did their launch, yeah, and I won their relaunches in an East London art cafe because, um, you know, they're really reaching out across the country here. So, yeah, bollocks to Brexit. And they, I think they use some uh, Sex Pistols music. Uh, can I just point out, Sex Pistols did a song called I Am An Anarchist. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that an anarchist isn't going to want another layer of government 
above a national sovereign government. They're not going to want a supranational state. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there and say that anarchists don't want more institutions with power. I know, it's fucking controversial, man. And of course, we had Heidi Allen um, going on, Have I Got News For You? And we did have news for Heidi. It's, the, it, it's not going out. It's not going out. And look, I mean, look, I, I, I could take the piss here. Getting ready to go on a panel show like that is stressful. So everyone that went on that, Phil Wang was due on it as well. He's a great comic. It must be really, you know, it's a nightmare. All the people that worked on it and the production team. So it's a clusterfuck that it never went out, right? The thing I want to focus on was the, the Remain Ultras online that immediately were like, well, hang on. Because the show was pulled because they said it was impartial in the build-up to an election, you know, because you couldn't guarantee balance. So the Remain Ultras were like, well, hang on. Nigel Farage... Nigel Farage was on Question Time last night. So um, I guess that's okay, is it? Yeah, it is. Because Question Time is a show about politics. And there are other politicians on, you fucking numpties. Including Anna Soubry. So he literally had... He literally had a Change UK politician sitting opposite him for the whole show. Do you not understand that a show that is political and about comedy is not the same as, as a political show? And then... And then like several experienced people in TV weighed in to point out this fact and then got accused of being apologists for fascists. Um, and this is this is my problem, listener, right? Is that, is that I don't, you know, like I said, I don't want single-issue parties. That's the issue. It's not specific to the Brexit party. You know, it's a women's equality party or the Green Party. I am worried that at some point in the future we'll just have just 15 parties, you know, and all be essentially, the brackets, the stuff I give a fuck about party, right? Now, I understand that... There's a specific point in time why why the Brexit Party are relevant now, but that's my fear going forward. And you know, we also we don't have uh, proportional representation. You know what I mean? Like, so we're gonna have a proportional representation spectrum of parties and a first past the post system. You know, that is that's not just getting a square peg in a round hole, right? That's like trying to get like uh, a courgette in a squirrel's ass. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going to take it back now. You know, I said earlier that bollocks of Brexit was... I've never said anything as crass as that. I'm, I think courgette in a squirrel's ass. Oh, it's actually making me feel ill now. I said it. So, look, I'm going to move on. I suppose everything that's happening has proved that some old sayings about politics always and will always remain true, right? Number one, deliver on election promises, right? You know, deliver on referendums. Don't ask the public the same thing twice. And never insult the electorate. That's what that's what I don't understand. That's become a modern thing of to insult the electorate. Because the problem is, right, certainly in the case of left-wing people that are planning on voting for the Brexit Party, is they may have just been lending that vote to the Brexit Party. But if you are dismissive of them and insulting to enough of an extent, that loan may become permanent. <laughs> Okay, I've got a few shows I just want to hype on the tour, ones that I'm particularly excited about. On Thursday, the 3rd of October, I'm bringing the show to The Cookie in Leicester. Fancy come to The Cookie? Come to The Cookie. Come, you're going to lag it. Uh, and then I'm going to be in Southend-on-Sea on Friday, the 11th of October. Do you have to call it Southend-on-Sea? I mean, just look out the fucking window, right? I mean, it's uh, 
I suppose because it's South End, you know, they just got reminded that there's something good about living there. Boo! That's a great way to hype the show, isn't it? Take a massive dump on the city, town, whatever it is. Then on Saturday, the 2nd of November, I'm going to be doing my first ever tour show in Southampton. So I need your help. It's selling all right. All of these ones are selling well, but when you go to a place for the first time, you need people to show up. And I don't know, I don't know anything about Southampton. I can't even take the piss out of it because what is it? I don't know. What's your accent? No idea. You know, you hate Portsmouth. So please come that night and, and help me complete my education on Southampton. So, uh, yeah, as I said before, I just want to thank um, Phoebe Waterbridge. I need to check this. I need to check this, what her, her name is. Right. She's, if you don't know, she's done the show called um, Waterbridge, right? Phoebe Waterbridge. It sounds posh, but when you say it like that, it, it does also... It sounds like a uh, town in Kent, doesn't it? Grew up in Waller Bridge. So, you know. And she's done this show that's critically very successful called Fleabag. And she's also been involved in a show called Killing Eve. And she basically crushed it and had a great night at the BAFTAs. And fair play to it, you know. But everyone was thanking her. It just made me laugh, you know. Just <laughs> thank you to her. I just want to say thank you to Phoebe Waller Bridge, my inspiration. Which, you know. <laughs> I just realised that she's writing good stuff, and if I blow enough smoke up her ass, there's a chance I can get in the slipstream of her greatness. Um, <laughs> that was a bit bitchy of me, but I'm leaving it in. Um, and I, I watched one episode of this show, Fleabag. Now, a lot of people in my industry like it, a lot of particularly female comics in it. And I watched one episode, and I totally get why it's a hit, right? It's really well done. The central performance is excellent. You know, and I think I think it's very popular. And there's been some discussion on this: is that it's very popular among the middle classes. Because uh, it makes you feel, well, it's very naughty, you know, it's very, I mean, it's very, you know, it's very blunt. I mean, she's just like, you know, it says whatever is on her mind. Oh, my God. The episode with the vicar, though. Um, they had this episode with the, a sexy vicar in that a lot of ladies were getting a bit excitable about, which I have mentioned before. I want to go back to about women perving too much. Modern women, you just need to control yourselves, right? I know there's a lot of sexy men out there, but you're, you're making a real spectacle of you. You're making a real spectacle of yourself. That's a phrase that needs to come back. Actually, made a real spectacle of himself. I don't know why being like... It's a weird thing. He made a real spectacle, real monocle. He made a real pair of glasses of himself. So uh, I get why people like it, right? Now, it's done, you know, audience-wise, done well, right? It's done very well, you know. But like not in like Mrs. Brown's boys level well. But of course, you know, the TV establishment... Uh, and I'm not talking about at the BAFTAs. These are discussions I've had in TV world for a while. I, I don't like the way people slag off Mrs. Brown's boys, right? Because they always sell lowest common denominator. I'm like, it's doing nine million, yeah? It's not simple. That's what that's what annoys me about it. I don't say you have to like the programme, but they act like it's really basic to do something that can hit that bigger audience. Now, there was something about Mrs. Brown's boys. I, I think, again, like a really strong sense of performance, but it, it was just something you could sit down and watch with the family, Right? You know, I'm not going to be watching an episode of fucking Fleabag. Do you know what I mean? With my aunt or, or, or my wife's nan. I'm not going to... It's just not going to happen, you know? And that's not to say it's not a great programme. Because I, I, I respect it as a programme. I'm just saying, I just miss... I guess I miss those shows that had the ambition to kind of shoot for a big audience. And, and I do I do worry sometimes at the TV industry. They It's almost like the moment someone gets a big audience, like people people don't respect it as much, you know? I mean, it's, for me, the measure of a great comedy show is, is can, you do a, can you do a Christmas special? I'm old-fashioned. Can you do a Christmas... Is there going to be a Fleabag Christmas special? 
Is, I, well, maybe she fucks Santa Claus. Really sexy. Oh my god, the scene where she fucks Santa Claus was just so naughty. And uh, you know, Santa Claus. And let's put it this way: he wasn't a white guy, and that was so transgressive. <laughs> so I just wanted to say thank you to uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And she's obviously great. Well, she seems nice as well. I just, I guess, what it is, I don't like. Um, I don't like it when I don't get a show. You know, like that that feeling when you're out of the loop and everyone's saying something's great and you you just can't. So I basically, what it means is it makes me feel stupid. So I'm just trying to kind of shit on something because I don't get it. That's what I'm saying is I miss the old days of TV. That's what I'm saying, you know. I love my Netflix as much as the next man or woman or, you know. But I just miss us all being on the same page, right? TV-wise, we're not on the same page anymore. I mean, this is, where are these such new discussions where you have to sit down and go, so where are you up to in Line of Duty? Uh, I'm up to not giving a fuck, right? That's where I'm up to. Where are you up to? Or where are you up to Games of Thrones? Where am I? I just, again, I'm, I'm up to being a grown-up who doesn't need sort of dragons to enjoy a political, you know. That is, I can tell now, I heard a lot of you there go, oh, Jeff, too far, too far. I love my Game of Thrones. I love my GOT. I love my... Fuck it, I watched like one episode of that. I No, I watched the whole series. <laughs> I mean, like there was a great lesbian scene in that and that kept me hanging on, but it feels like they tailed off with that stuff. You know, everyone was criticising them, saying there was too too much female nudity in it and the fucking idiots, they listened. And I'm like, no, I'm out. That's one of the best things about the show. Can't be, it can't be a genre, dragons and boobs, and you take out the boobs. Well, you think I love dragons? <laughs> it was never about the dragons. But, you know, I saw, I saw there was good things in, in Game of Thrones. It's two-minute title sequence. And, and all the fucking nerds that are into the show who go, oh, my God, I, I love the titles. It's not long enough. It's not... I'm like, what is that? So you can, can you get it so you can get in that world, that Game of Thrones world? So I guess what I'm saying is, is it's great to, like, you know, to acknowledge and recommend and commend... You know, niche comedies or, or critically acclaimed comedies. And thank you, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But, you know, let, let's still be striving to hit those big mainstream accessible comedies as well. Let's not let's not all di- disappear into our own fucking comedic rabbit hole and just sit there, do you know what I mean, in the dark, just watching our own stuff like a kind of televisual version of silent disco. Let, let's, let's come together... <laughs> So I might I might play in some like inspirational music under this bit. I guess what I'm saying about the BAFTAs is by all means acknowledge the shows that that you love. But you know, also give the same round of applause that I'm a celebrity. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yes, Fleabag was great. But I'll tell you what, the last series of I'm a Celebrity was banging and it got eleven million people. That was dude. So let's talk about the word um housewife. Recently, um, it's just disappeared, isn't it? I suppose you know, in the in the age of fourth wave feminism, a word that defines a woman by just it's a, it's quite basic, isn't it? Housewife. She is sounds quite German. Housewife. She is my housewife. She is the wife of the house, and she wives it. She means to say, as in when the children come home, she is more my wife than she is the mother. So she is the housewife. But of course it changed now. Now it's um, stay-at-home mum, which is cuter, isn't it? I'm a stay-at-home mum. Well, it is, I, it's, I, maybe it's cuter because the way that people say it, you know? I'm a stay-at-home mum. Like I'm a stay-at-home mum. Stay-at-home mum. 
That doesn't sound as nice, does it? That sounds a bit Joseph Fritzl. Boo! Um, but yeah, I don't know if I don't know if that one's much better. But I suppose what it does do is it defines women by their relationship to their kids rather than to their husbands, which is a shame. Which is a shame, but I guess it was inevitable. But you just don't you don't see that you know you don't see it anymore. I was, I was watching the reason I mentioned this because I was watching an episode of Bullseye the other day on <laughs> Challenge TV. I am. You know, part of doing this podcast is a sort of form of therapy where I realised, like, what I've become. And I was given a chance with my wife away to sit and watch... I could have watched anything. I could have watched Fleabag, right, and become more intelligent. But no, what the fuck was I doing? I was watching old episodes of Bullseye. Ah, let's leave the EU. And um, I... A lot of women on that, when they say, you know, where are you from? And it's what the great thing about Bullseye back in the day was it was a real insight. It's before multi-channel aging, before YouTube, before everyone's recording themselves, taking a shit, you know. That was the only chance I got to see Northerners, you know, in their native habitat. And, <laughs> and a lot of them would come on, you know, they'd be from Derby. And the only time I see people from Derby, still is, uh, you know, yeah, Mick and Jean, uh, Mick and Jean from Derby, you know. Mick, well, you know, he's a darts player, and Gene was better on the questions, you know. But then when they'd introduce him, my name, my name's Mick, uh, I'm a scaffolder, I come from Ilkston. And uh, again, my name's Gene, and I'm a housewife from Ilkston. And, and like, you just don't get that. Women wouldn't identify by that anymore. But, you know, it was, uh, it was a noble time. Noble thing to be a housewife back in the 80s, you know. It was, you know, there were those women from up north, they're tightly... Tightly curled perms. Remember how tight those perms were? I don't, know, I don't know what was going on. You know, do women perm their hair anymore? No, Jeff, it's like a light perm now. Don't care, okay? It's a rhetorical question. I'm saying, you know, housewife. Now, but what about... So, fair enough, you, if you've got a kid and, you and pro, as is probably the case, you love the kid more than you love your fellow, right? <laughs> it happens. Is that you wish not to be. So, fine, you're a stay-at-home mum, right? But what if you are, you never had kids, and you haven't got a job? So you are, and you and your your wife, and you're at home in the house. Most of you're a housewife, you know. You are a housewife, unless you want to just be called unemployed. I used to love all those game shows, man. Ridiculous as well. You see, I mean, you see how how like relative levels of poverty of or re relative levels of accessibility to just decent stuff in your house, right? TV. You see people crying and embracing because they want a TV. You have to understand, kids listening. That that was that was a big ticket investment. I still remember. Um, I still remember the first time we had we had a video player bought. We had that. We had that video player. Twelve years. We it outlived fucking pets. Do you know what I mean? It outlived our dog. I used to get video video repairmen as well. There's people people used to repair stuff as well. Kids. Yeah. I mean, you 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 talk about the environment. You want to save the environment. Bring back the VCR repairman. Right. Bring back the Hoover repairman. Bring back the washing machine repair. There used to be one of those as well. Although, now this is a problem, right, with that culture. A lot of those blokes were total pervs. Total pervs. I used to, I used to, you know, stay home from school quite a lot because my mum was a bit soft on me. But I would often be there during the day. And I think sometimes she would make me bunk off just for safety against sexual perverts. Because, and this is the weird thing that's hard to explain with your parents' generation, like, I would not, I knew this bloke was a wrong and the guy that used to come and fix the telly and stuff. And he would stay longer than he needed to and stuff. And my mum would say, just sit in the front room with me while he's here, stuff like that. And then he'd go. And, you know, the main thing I think is, well, why did you, <laughs> why did you keep having that guy in the house? Do you know what I mean? It's like, 
I know that we, you know, watching blockbusters was important to us, but you know, you this guy was not trustworthy, mother. Okay, so we've got a few letters. Thank you for these. Um, like I said, this is men's mental health and stuff. We're broadening it out a little bit here. We're dealing with all sorts of dilemmas. David Price here. Jeff, firstly, I live in Newport, South Wales, but I'm not Welsh. So if you read this out, don't do a Welsh accent. I'm from Liverpool, but don't do a Scouse accent either, as you're crap at it. What do you think that? Okay, like this is David Price here. Uh, firstly, I live in Newport, South Wales, but... Um, you ever get like the the high pitched scouser, don't you? You know the one. You know the one. Oh, you get the fucking deep scouser. You know the one. Yeah. So, Jeff, do you suffer from stage fright? Um, do I suffer from stage fright sometimes? But it tends to go hand in hand with um, with how anxious I feel generally. Do you know what I mean? I feel chilled out and stuff like. I, sometimes it can take you by surprise. You think you're in a quite a calm mood, and one little thing goes wrong at a gig. But I think that's the same in life, isn't it? Have you ever had that where you're just like? Go to meet a friend for lunch or something, and then you sit down next to them, and you just feel terrified, and you feel like you just want to fight them or run away. <laughs> so imagine that, like then with a five hundred people audience watching you go through that, and and also there's there's a degree like of pressure. So you, your mind, as much as you not, you might want to not think about whether it's a TV record or how many million people might be watching or listening on the radio. Your brain knows, right? It's not that part of you can't unknow that shit. So. So, it, yeah, it, it's not a great feeling. And, and what, the one thing I would say about adrenaline on that level, the good thing about it, and I think I mentioned this before, is that it does tend to uh, play itself out a little bit. So if you just ride it out, you normally be all right. But I remember the first few times that it happened. I remember, you know, one thing that happened, actually, is a little bit of men's mental health here, is that when I became a father, um, or no, when my wife was pregnant, I remember it happened on stage and my mind immediately went from, oh my God, I'm getting anxious. I'm going to have to run on stage. I won't be able to work again. I won't be able to provide. I'm going to be a stay-at-home dad. Um, so, so yeah, it can all be, it can all be um, contextual. But the weird thing is, is that the degree to between, between being calm and being like shitting yourself, the audience don't seem to, they don't seem to know. But I do think it shows on, on television sometimes. So it's, uh, it's a constant battle. Um, David Price. Pricey, you all right there, Pricey lad? Hey, living in fucking Newport. What you fucking worse now, are you? So, yeah, thanks for that question. Then we got a message here from Robin. Robin? Is that a girl's name or a boy's name? That's that's always been gender fluid, that name. That was gender fluid before gender was even fluid. Gender fluid. Has this show done been done before? But gender fluid does sound like a posh word for spunk. And I said that in a serious way, didn't I? Like I wasn't going to make a hideous, crass joke at the end of it. Ah, I'm quite pleased with that one. Okay, uh, so this one's from Robin. Is that I'm 22, I've been going out with my girlfriend for four years. Um, she sometimes gets drunk and hits me in public. That's, um, that's not cool. I never know what to do. Uh, obviously, I was brought up um, not to hit women. Of course, that's the right way, mate. Um, how do I deal with this? <clears throat> well, I'm sorry, I'm just scan reading this a little bit because like, I think he wants some of it. Confidential. Okay, I think I get what's going on, Robin. So you've been with this girl a while. It seems like it's a first love sort of situation, right? And that can... I mean, if you want to just see blokes lose their mind over something, women, fuck me, man. We can we can really lose it. I know women can lose it too, but like, yeah, there's... Men can be complete fools for, for women. And, 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 you know, with a lot of the way that the, the, the press has gone with women lately, it's gone that, you know, men are these evil bastards and women are somehow naturally virtuous. But the truth is, is that people are just people and some people will take the piss. Some people, and you know, 
she's an angry person and she's done it once and she got away with it and she's done it again and it seems like there's a pattern here Robin I'm going to tell you the tell you the I'm, I'm always going to be about the tough love mate is um is is just leave her leave her you know what I mean like if you're saying as you've said here that you've had it out and she's still doing it um <clears throat> leave her that's that's all it is sorry mate I can't I can't dress it up any more than that like somebody who's willing to physically hurt you and from the sounds of it like actually badly in one instance just leave. I know it's really hard man I know it's really hard but she at the age you are as well and here's another thing it's gonna be a little while till she kind of works out who she is too I would don't hit her obviously because you're physically stronger I know it doesn't seem fair because she's hitting you but that's just the way it is I would if she got a car something she loves boot the fuck out of the car there you go this is terrible advice isn't it this is really but uh, you know get off your chest show you got a bit of bite in you you know, just just take someone down, something down with you as you go. No, no, this is terrible advice. Look, the, the things you got to leave her. I know it's really hard, and you know, maybe, maybe you're reaching out. You know, I'm going to say that to you, right? If you listen to the podcast, you know, I'm going to say that. So you, this is what you needed. Leave her, just, and you know what? Just be careful because women like that. If she, if she's already, you know, when you, when you step out of a new girl, just what I'm saying is, uh, you might want to bring security with you. You know, or I'll just wear a little. Uh, Wear a bit protect, or just no, just go to a really tough girl who's nice, right? A girl that can throw hands, but you know she she only does it in the ring. <laughs> go out, go out with a cage. Go out with Ronda Rousey. Is she a lesbian? I don't know, but go just go, just become really good friends with a really tough woman. Uh, and uh, but listen, man, I'm sorry you're going through that, and it, I've been I have had a similar situation myself, so. Sorry you're going through that, but um, but you just got it's sticking plaster. You know what I mean? And and don't don't speak to your female friends about this because they'll beat around the bush and they'll be like, well, you know, you know, there's no fucking. If someone's been repeatedly aggressive to you and in public situations, it ain't gonna get better quickly. All right. So what have we got? Um, but anyway, look, I wish you all the best, man. I hope that sorts itself out all right. Okay, next letter is from Kazik, and he says, "Love listening to the show. What I'd like to know is what, in your professional opinion, who." would win in a school sports day out of all UK prime ministers, <laughs> alive and dead in their peak of physical fitness, mandatory inclusion of the egg and spoon race? That is a great question. I think, you know, we've spent so much time talking about Brexit, haven't we? So much time talking about the NHS. What we don't really ever stop to think about is uh, fictional sports days with uh, dead prime ministers. So speaking of dead prime ministers, let's start off with Churchill. I think um, you, you got to get out of your mind the, the fat Churchill. All right, He wasn't always that. You know, he was he was in decent nick when he was, you know, he's, he was in the forces. You know, you had to be, well, I don't know back then. <laughs> they were just putting 14-year-olds, weren't they? All smoking on the front line. And he smoked a lot and he got fat. But I think that he would have, uh, I think he would have been a fierce competitor. Uh, Margaret Thatcher. Um, so you didn't think I was going to do a lady, did you? You're sexist. But she... I think I don't I don't get the impression Margaret Thatcher ever ran anywhere in her life. I don't think I think she'd have thought running was beneath her. I think she'd have thought running something had gone horribly wrong if she had to run somewhere. And you know, she might have been good at the egg and spoon race, I think. You know, getting something over over the line. Maybe if it was something more controversial than an egg, because she was good at getting controversial things over the line. <laughs> you know. Maybe if it was like milk. See, I'm, I'll, I'll do now what a, a, a lefty comic would do is I'd say, yeah, if it was someone else's egg, right, stolen from a baby, a impoverished baby, because you know, emotive invocations of starving toddlers is a great way to get a laugh. 
Um, Tony Blair. A lot of people might think Blair because he's reasonably live, isn't he? Rangy limbs. But I'll, I'll tell you this much. I think that he's one of those guys that can't run, okay? I think that it would really surprise you. Like, you'd be on a stag do. You'd all be at the airport. You had a couple of beers. Oh, shit, there's our, there's our gate. Everyone has to run. And then suddenly you see Tony's run and he, he really gets a flounce on, you know, to the point where it kind of ruins the first bit of the stag do. Everyone's just processing how much they misjudged this guy like there's no reason why he should run so badly so I don't think Tony Blair would run well Gordon Brown um yeah I'm not I'm not seeing that I'm not seeing that I think he'd like barge he'd be one of those you know one of those kids that's not athletic at all but really strong (laughs) really strong I think he'd barge people out of the way um John Major, surprise, surprise shout, John Major, actually quite an athletic bloke, you know, six foot. People don't know that about Major because that spitting image model of him just showed him as this tiny little grey man. He was actually, he was a fucking unit, mate. He was six foot two and I suppose maybe that's more of a cricketer's build. I don't know. Might have been good. Might have been good at the Egg and, Sp- Egg and Spoon race. Sounds like the kind of mundane thing that he might have excelled at. Um, Cameron. Cameron, I would say, um, I just with Cameron, he's. I think his BMI has been the same his whole life. I just get the impression that he was born with jowls, you know. So I don't know if he was ever that athletic. Theresa May, I think she can run. Do you know what I mean? If there was like a prefix job at the end of it, she would fucking peg it. You know, she'd really surprise you a little turn, little turn of her heel. I mean, she ran through the wheat fields, didn't she? She ran through the wheat fields, so I think Theresa May, one of those surprisingly... Do you remember when you were at school and there was one girl that was quite tall and then she would just absolutely spank you at cross-country and, um, and, you're, and yeah, you felt ashamed because yeah, well, there's no reason, you know, why you should... But you did feel gutted. Um, and I don't know. Mate, I think I'm going to go with Winston Churchill because I just think it's the way... I just... <laughs> most annoying one to pick for the woke types, you know the revisionist Churchill. I'm going to go for Winston Churchill and say that it would add to his his completely clean slate. He never did anything wrong ever. Best prime minister in the world. Really top guy without exceptions. Um, and not only that, not only is he the greatest prime minister Britain ever had, now he is the winner of the What Most People Think inaugural fictional prime minister sports day egg and spoon race. God, God bless you, Winston. Okay, so that's the end of the podcast, and as is customary now, I'm going to end it by reading out a couple of the iTunes reviews, the recent ones. Um, This one is from Swisswad. Now, I've read ahead on this one a little bit. So basically, he says he was was apprehensive, uh, but he's really enjoyed it, and has had a good laugh to himself, thinking I do that too. He says, Jeff, if you read this one, can you do it in a Sri Lankan accent, but try not to go down the route of India, Pakistani, you racist. I mean, do you realise how many like minefields you've thrown there? So one, you're saying even if I do do uh, a Southeast Asian accent, like I might still be racist just by getting it wrong. And you realise that, you know, with the recent inclusion in the BBC diversity panel, you know exactly what you're doing. AJ. Oh, it's AJ. I'll tell you what I will do, right? Is I used to do uh, an impression of the cricketer Monty Panesar. Okay, so to cover my ass here, I'm not doing an impression of an Asian person. I'm doing an impression of a personality, and that personality happens to be Asian. The problem's in your mind. So I'm going to read it like Monty Panesar, the cricketer. Uh, was initially a bit apprehensive, especially with the title of what people think. 
But I've really enjoyed the podcast and I've actually had a good laugh to myself thinking I'll do that too. Jeff, if you read this one, can you do it in Sri Lankan accent but not go down the India-Pakistani route racist? Oh my God, my heart's beating after doing that. Am I going to get in trouble? Uh, <laughs> I'll do another one here. This one is from Refreshingly Good by Leeds Villain. Oh, here we go. Fucking Leeds accent. This is... You can hang your hat on this. I'm going to read this in the style of Jeffrey Boycott. Uh, at last, the podcast, which is reflective of the views of the large section of the country. Jeff is articulate, nuanced, and clearly passionate about his opinions, but, but above all, very funny. Required listening for those on the left who say they would like to be challenged and open to other thoughts. My grandma could have read that. There you go. That's an in-joke from Jeffrey Boycott. That's the way to get the listeners in, Jeff. In-jokes about Jeffrey Boycott. I've closed the show with two re- cricket references. Okay? That's how I keep them coming back for more. But listen, look, whatever brought you here, uh, come back next time in two weeks. Uh, we'll have another What Most People Think. And thank you so much for listening. Listening.